Hi, everyone. I had the absolute pleasure and honor of sitting down with Monique Benabou. Monique is an internationally recognized transformational artist, vocal embodiment coach, and sound healer. She is dedicated to revolutionizing mainstream beliefs around artistry, holistic healing, and ritual centered around sacred sound and frequency. In addition to her intentional artistic offerings, she facilitates dynamic workshops, coaching courses, and one-on-one mentorships, supporting throat chakra, voice, and truth activations, as well as in-depth artist development and channeling. Monique supports others in bringing their inner artist and channel online, increasing self-trust, and liberating limiting beliefs around creativity and worth. If you're feeling a soul tap after hearing that, you're going to love, love, love this episode. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to Be You Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Okay, Monique, thank you so much for being here with our BU community. I am so thrilled. I'm very appreciative. I'm so excited to share you with this community. So those of you who don't know Monique, you heard my intro and bio, but I want to share with you how I feel about Monique. It's it's interesting. She's one of these people who I don't really know, but I know. We met through this whole online world and someone gifted a session to me with Monique. And she did something called a sound clearing and I had never heard that before. But what she may not know is I had seen those crystal, I'll call them crystal bowls. She can tell us what they're called in a yoga session years ago at the very first time I would say I had a spiritual awakening. It's the first time I'd ever seen them in my life and the last time I saw them in my life. And then I had a session with her and it was the most beautiful experience. So the way I see Monique and the way I experience her is being this very, very powerful force and really, really gentle, loving soul at the same time. She's one of these people who, it's funny, Monique, it's like you have the wisdom of someone who's 100 years old, but yet you could be 20. Like, I don't know. (laughs) That's how I feel about you. And I feel so drawn to you and just so grateful that I get to even just experience you online, just seeing what you do on Instagram, listening to you sing, watching the sessions you do. It's been such a blessing to me. So, I, I really mean that I'm so grateful that because I know you're in high demand that you said absolutely yes to this when I asked. And everyone listening, just be ready for something beautiful and amazing because there's nobody like Monique. And we don't even really know what we're going to say today. And I love that. I would love for you to share your story with them and and tell them what it is that you do do because you do so many things. You're a singer and an, an artist first and foremost, but who are you and what do you do? And then we'll get into some good stuff. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Jill. I just have is an overflowing amount of love for you and your family. And I'm just really honored that I've, I've had the privilege to connect with you in such intimate ways in a short period of time and really be able to like connect and just like, mm, yes, meet you, see you, feel your heart and like everything that you're about. And it just speaks to me and I, and so thrilled to be here. So thank you. And hello to everybody that's listening. I'm sending you a big hug. My name's Monique. And what I do in the world is I'm a I'm a human tuning fork, period, point blank period. I really pride myself on the energy that I carry as a default. And it's the thing that I put the most work into refining, main, maintaining, and building a relationship with is is my default state of resonance, my frequency. And so as a tuning fork, I go into various different spaces with sound, with my voice, with my bowls, with my presence, with intentional energy, and I support people. I, sub- I activate people and I support them in embodying what is being activated within them. And I do that in a multitude of different ways, from talk therapy to sound healing, sound clearings, vocal activation, teaching people how to heal themselves with their natural resonance. You don't have to be a singer. And I don't just work with vocalists or artists. I work with speakers often who are wanting to come into like this more embodied, solid frequency which ultimately equals confidence and clarity around your message, who you be and how you carry that message, where you're going, and ultimately what is the source of what's coming through you, the connection to the source of what's coming through you. And that is really my gift is uh, in this world is to be able to spend time with somebody and energetically match them to understand where they're operating from and know where they want to go and create a program or, a, or chart some kind of guidance to help them get there. So I do a lot of work in the spiritual psychosomatic spaces. And then I do a lot of work in the artist music, music healing spaces, mystical and healing arts, if you will. And my journey began, you know, I, I came out the womb singing. I came out the womb as a force and one of five children. All four of my siblings are much older than I am, about 16 to 22 years age difference from my siblings and I. And so I was really fortunate to have a ton of wisdom surround me at all times of my life. And really good music from so many different eras and genres and countries and in different languages. So I was really, really, um, I was exposed to a lot of culture at a young age and variety and got to learn a lot passively through my family because they were older. And so I had this natural inclination to sing and I fell in love with theater and the arts. And that was my my area of focus for my whole life. When I was 18 years old, I decided to leave the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area, and move to Los Angeles and start my music career. And I went to college. I went to community college out here. And I was a personal trainer when I first came out here working for 24-hour fitness. I was doing all of that. And then making connections and networking in the industry. And 
fast forward several years later, I did a cold call or what they'll call a cattle call for a singing competition show, which was brand new then. And that was The Voice. And that was about 10 years ago. And I got in line at 6 a.m. And I auditioned. And lo and behold, I got a yellow, quote unquote, golden ticket to advance. And that was the start of a really big journey for me that changed my life and really catapulted me into the center of the music industry where I got to have a lot of experiences, both amazing and working with some of the best writers in the entire world and in studios with some of the most talented sought after producers in the entire world to some really not great experiences of feeling misled, taken advantage of, compromised and lied to. And so I I took a step back after three years of working deeply in the music industry with some pretty heavy hitters. And I leaned into other means of creativity to just keep that energy flowing for myself because that's how how I recuperate my energy is through creative energy, artistic creative energy. And then I, I started really diving deep into my spiritual development. And it's where I started working with plant medicines and getting clear about why I was experiencing all these trauma loops, all these stories that had followed me from childhood in now my profession and why I was having these same experiences and saying, hearing myself say these same things like, why does this always happen? And this again, or hearing my stuff over and over and going, oh, I think I have something to do with this. And that really kicked off this deep spiritual journey. It had started a little bit earlier when I when I started working in yoga. And I, I did yoga teacher training for the pure purpose of the journey, not to teach. And that's where like, I was exposed initially to sound healing and the power of mantra and breath work. So just collecting all these tools over the years. And then it got to a point where I became empowered. And I started taking the things that I was learning and all these beautiful wisdoms from the plant medicines and my spiritual mentorship and embodying them, putting it to the test. You know, this is where the, the rubber meets the road and all these high spiritual principles are needing to be put to the test. It's where like you really, you go, you graduate yourself from faith to an absolute knowing. And the only way that that can happen is through some kind of alchemy of experience and creating a threshold where it's super uncomfortable. And the only way that you get through that is by testing your faith and really seeing if what you believe in sticks, like if it supports you. And by doing that, the blueprint for all parts of me because this faith was like this this concrete faith and knowing of like I am supported began to anchor and something else started opening and it's where my music and my spirituality which was the safety I was looking for were able to meet and create their own offering and their own thing and it's where I began to play with my niche identity in the world my personal identity and blueprint and design function purpose all of that and really deeply define it and begin to create from that place of possibility where all parts of me were honored, not just one part of me. And then that one part of me is what I had to uphold the rest of my life in a very public way, which was my gripe with the industry in the first place. And so now that I've had this peace, this knowing, and it also just so happens that at this point in time, 
spirituality is becoming very popularized and individuality and multifaceted, multidimensional beings are advocating more and more for their right to exist as multidimensional beings in the, in the spotlight and say, you know, giving the big bird, uh, flipping the bird to this kind of more linear patriarchal, no, no shade to the masculine. I love the masculine, but toxic masculine patriarchal structures of, of the entertainment industry are collapsing because artists are saying, I'm more than one thing and that it's important to me. And in fact, my art is the alchemy of all parts of me. And so, like I said, I can get pretty tangential, but that's kind of like the, the quick speedway through of like how I got to where I got, which was this moment of auditioning for The Voice, being inserted into the center of the industry's universe, (laughs) getting to have that experience, heartaches and triumphs, ultimately walking away, cutting my own path and saying, I'm going to advocate for this version of me that's coming online that feels most true. And allowing and creating the foundation for that person to exist and then creating from that place. So that's brought us to here and now where I am now serving in a really beautiful way, my community. I'm serving artists and I'm serving those who are just awakening on their spiritual path. I'm serving coaches. I'm serving other healers, which is honestly like some of my favorite work that I get to do is to give back to healers and people who are already in the spotlight and just help them nourish because it's the ripple. It's the, it's the team and hive mentality of like supporting and loving each other, especially when you're carrying a light and a mission and a message that will support others. So I will pause right there. Oh gosh, I love it. Okay. So, so many things were coming to me as you were speaking. And one was, and this certainly is not to self-promote, but I just, I realized that what you're saying is exactly what we're talking about in this podcast is not just be you, this sort of, you know, tagline, oh, be you. It's, which I know it could look like that. But what we're talking about is like really finding the real you, like excavating her, digging as deep as you have to, no matter how painful it is and finding her and then being her, like being her, you know, walking into this world as her. And it may take years for that to happen or months or whatever. And for some people, maybe it's one snap of a finger, but I love the way you just described it because that's exactly what the women listening to this podcast are on that road. Either they're on it and they've been in it for a while or they're brand new. We have a lot of people who are like, I don't know, I feel kind of drawn to this. It kind of freaks me out a little, but I like it. And then also, Gosh, I want to go back to the whole sound thing, but I want to, I want to ask you this because I know that pe- there are people listening who are thinking, here's the question I will ask on their behalf, if I could speak for them. One question might be, okay, Monique, how do I know if this whole world that you speak of that is so new to me and that I don't understand, how do I know if it makes me a little uncomfortable because it's just, I don't know it or if I should be afraid of it. I mean, there are people who are so tied to religious beliefs and I will call it programming and indoctrination. And that used to be me that, that they're, they're afraid to even have a conversation about anything quote spiritual. If it doesn't come from, and no judgment of that, like that's okay. But some of those friends of mine are very curious. They're just like, is it okay? Is it, 
And so what I say to them, tell me what you say, but what I say to them is, you know, deep down if it's okay or not. Deep down, you know, I can't say it for you, but I, I know that if you get quiet enough, you know whether or not it's okay. But what, what would you say to them? Yeah, I, I would say that. And I would also say that if you're not freaked out, you're probably not barking up the right tree part of the spiritual path. And really, honestly, all the quote unquote declared labeled spiritual path, like this is life. Like you can put spiritual on it, but it's life. And it ultimately will reveal just the flow, the fluidity and the flow and the algorithm of life, which is heartbreaking and inspiring all at the same time. It's mind-blowing and heartbreaking. And It's necessary because if we take this concept of truth, ultimately, we all can get on the bandwagon of saying, regardless of what system it comes from, we want to serve the highest truth. And if you were to ask somebody, where is the truth? You know, if if someone asked me where, where my truth is located, I'd say it's in my core, like to the core, like what you're saying deep down, you know. And so... If things are in the center of us, or if they're in this core, and we have all these layers that keep us from really connecting to that core, something's going to have to break in order to make contact with that core. So there is a natural essence of discomfort and pain that is part of this path and part of this awakening and part of the questioning. And... I remember, you know, just my own indoctrination, my own conditioning in my younger years around like just what is evil and what is not evil. And at this point in my life, the lightning bolt that kind of cuts through all of it, whether you're talking about Christianity or you're talking about some kind of occultism or some kind of network marketing system or something that has a set of ways to be and exist within that kind of realm. At the end of the day, the questions I come to, this is supportive for if you're, you know, grand master on the path or you're just beginning and anywhere in between. This question of what is sovereignty? Really diving into understand what sovereignty is. And when you when you come to the realization of what sovereignty is for you, after studying the definition of it, you begin to look at all the areas that have taken your power and you know something's taken your power when your reaction to something is fear. That's what I will say. You can look at the systems that you exist within now and ask yourself, where within this system do I experience fear? And then begin to snuff those out. There's very little instruction that's necessary because spirit. God, the universe, your guides, your angels, whatever you believe in that is here to assist you and pull you, the thing that is your guiding light in the world, all you have to do is ask the right question and everything will begin to unfold and you will get the answers. And so like for those that are curious, but afraid to challenge the system that they are in or they're experiencing fear come up as the response of questioning or of becoming curious. I want to say to you that any organization, any system that has you believing that you cannot question, any system that has you 
fearing your own expansion and your own growth and your own internal guidance is a system to question. And so it does take bravery at first to be with and then fuel the curiosity that is growing inside of each of us. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of bravery. And at the end of the day, fear is not always bad. There is a healthy fear. And the healthy fear that supports me is if I don't question this, I will always wonder why. And I'm just not willing at this point to give fear power over my peace, my peace of mind. And I will be doing that if I don't question certain things, because it'll always be a what if. It'll always be something in my mind or in my spirit that plagues me. And if I don't go and find out what that thing is, it will rob my peace. And it will possibly even create more issues of self-sabotage because at the end of the day, you can't stop the truth. And if it's your truth, it's going to come out one way or another. All roads will lead home. And the sooner and the more willing we are to surrender to the curiosity of our own expansion and our own like core-ness, the less volatile and violent life will be with us in order to crack us open, to open to it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I get too is that, you know, sometimes exploring isn't even questioning your current belief system. And I think a lot of people are confused by that. I don't mean to sound arrogant when I say that, but I know I have friends and I'm just going to say it, I have Christian friends who I so honor and respect what they believe and what absolutely. And I, I believe a lot of what they believe. And I don't think some people understand. Again, I, that sounds so arrogant to say, I don't think people understand. I, I know that, that there's a way to not question your belief system while still exploring other things. And I know some people go, nope, you can't do that. That's like saying I'm going to be married and committed to you while I go look around for other people. That's not what I'm saying. It's not looking for something better. It's not questioning where you are. It's just, I feel drawn to that for a reason. And for me personally, and this is going to rub some people the wrong way, but the truth for me is, well, God's the one telling me to look. That's it. And they'll say, no, it's temptation. Nope, God doesn't tempt. No, I'm not tempted. My inner knowing is God. And my inner knowing, I put everything through a filter of love and light and God. You may not call it that, so-and-so, because I'm not saying it the way you say it, but it's the same light. And so if I feel so drawn at my cord and my center towards that, it can't be bad. And I bet you when we get to the next whatever, call it heaven, call it whatever, I I just think it will be really interesting if that God says, oh, yeah, I was talking to Jill in a different language. And the same entity, I was just telling her something else because she's supposed to go down that road that you aren't. Like, Well, this is the thing. This is the thing about doctrine. This is the thing about organizations of guidance, I will call them. And that's like religious organizations. And I have nothing against religious organizations. I think that there's good intention there always, of course. And religion in its innocence is like language. We have over 8 billion people on this planet. And many languages. And if we expect 
only one language to cut through all, we are fooling ourselves. And this is kind of the principle where religion has kind of, in my opinion, gone sideways um, and become not as safe as we need it to be at this point when working in the realms of spiritual influence. There is, in my opinion, no one right religion. Religion, Christianity is a language of God. Islam is a language of God. Judaism is a language of God. Buddhism is a language of God. At the end of the day, if you distill all of these without any, you know, without taking into consideration, we have extremists on all sides. We have as, as devout as you can be, Christian, all American, KKK members. And then we have extreme, devout Muslims who are terrorists and aligned with Al-Qaeda and ISIS and all these terrible organizations that want to breed hate and violence in the name of God. And then you have Judaism and you have Jews who are also just spewing hate, rhetoric of hate in the name of God. You have extremists everywhere. That's my point. And if we allow the extremists to define what religion is, we're going to continue to be separate. But if we can kind of understand that aside from the extremism, the extremists that exist within this kind of realm, if you go to the core of each of these languages or religions, they're talking about the same thing. And at the end of the day, that is the unifying. There's a prayer. It's um, consecration of the sanctuary. And it talks about God being felt as a single feeling of unity that envelops all. And that to me is like the closest thing to God that I will define because there is a language that cuts through all and it's frequency, it's, it's vibration, it's presence, it's consciousness. And so that is the ultimate language for me. But on the 3D plane here as humans that need dialogue, religion in its innocence is language um, to communicate a feeling that envelops you and entrains you into unity. I love that we're going here. So we had no idea what we were going to talk about. No idea. Yeah. And I love this. So, so I have a friend who's in sort of the camp that I have been a part of for so long. And it's a great camp, by the way, the camp, the Christian camp. And she reached out to me. I wrote something about a year ago and she said, okay, I'm going to say something to you that I can't say to my sister or anybody else. And I said, what is it? She's like, well, I feel like exploring things too. Oh, and I, Right. And she's like, I, I don't, I didn't know I was allowed to say that, but I see you. I always joked that I was, I was getting crunchier and crunchier. Like I was like, I'm the crunchy Christian. I'm the spicy Christian. I'm the say what no one else is saying Christian, you know? And then I started dipping my toe outside of the line even more, which definitely had people like praying for me, like, Oh my gosh, we have to save her. (laughs) And then I, I'm like, don't worry. I have the same phone number for God that you do. (laughs) But this one woman, who was also in our network, my former network marketing career in that same bubble. And I barely knew her, but she said, I just want to tell you, thank you for saying what you said, because I realize I'm not alone. And I said, listen, God's giving us the same message that it's okay to learn other things. It's okay to 
And I just love that we're talking about this because I know a lot of people listening to this feel this way, but they don't know how to say it and no one has said it to them. And they're like, oh my gosh, is there something wrong with me? Am I getting it wrong? And you're going to love this. In about a month, we have an episode coming out with Dr. Vic Redman. And he has a book. I think it it's now has been released maybe as of this week, but he has a PhD in psychology and a PhD in philosophy. And he's been our family therapist for years and years. And he, his book, I don't want to say it wrong because he's never described it to me, but my own description based on what he said is what you just said. And he basically has the proof, right? I mean, this man has studied every major religion. He takes every scripture for every major religion, and he is, he is explaining that we are all speaking the same language. And by the way, spoiler alert for those of you who are ready to turn off the podcast, which is okay if you do, he's a Christian, right? But he's saying, guys, wake up. So I can't wait to have him on. I can't wait to read his book, but he's been our family. You know, I would say guru. He would hate that word for years. And I didn't even know he was writing a book until a couple months ago we were chatting. And, and so he would love this conversation we're having. So. What do you think of this? So it's interesting because you literally help people with their voice. I mean, like quite literally, right? Their voice. One is a professional singer and artist, but also you said even like speakers and other people. I think it's interesting because as you were speaking, I was like, I love that she's going to talk about that a little because so many women listening to this podcast aren't public speakers. They don't want to be, they're not singers. They're not artists yet. They're not using their freaking voice. They're not using their voice. Something has like a like a, a chokehold on them, and it's it's their own hand, and they don't even know it. And I do too a little bit. I mean, every woman does. I think. What is your advice to us as women about discovering that and putting that on? I don't know what the word would be, but like amping it up. You know, like because I know that for me, I feel very comfortable speaking. I've always felt very comfortable speaking, even though I have insecurities and lots of of stuff. I still swim through. I my voice feels very confident. Like I feel very confident speaking, but I want to know this. I'm asking you like three questions at once, but have you had clients that have said this to you? Explain this to me. How is it that I, I think people either can hear pitch or they can't like, you know, my husband's sort of, we kind of joke that he's toned up. Like he sings happy birthday and we plug our ears. He can't hear himself. I can hear that. I played an instrument for years. I can tell if something's out of tune. I, if I am joking around and I kind of belt something out like to be funny, I can kind of sing, but I can't sing any other way. I have this weakness. And if I would just, if you'd say sing happy birthday, it's like happy birthday. It doesn't sound, it's not out of tune or out of key. I don't know what the word is you use, but it's, I can't sing. I can't sing. And it's interesting because both of my daughters have amazing voices. And I always think, where did they get that? Like, what the hell? Like, but Both of them hide it. Both of them will not sing for anybody. And you only hear it when they are joking around and they're being funny and singing Mr. Grinch or something else. And I'm like, what? You actually have an amazing voice. And this morning as I was driving here to do this podcast, I thought, I've never connected the dots that maybe we're all the same. Maybe it's an an illustration of how we are in our lives. So let's get into that. For those that can't see us, I'm like rubbing my hands together. Right, (laughs) This is the good stuff right here. So a couple things, there's the hearing component and then there's the singing component, both the same core. And that's trauma. When I work with people with their voice, 
there's usually not much wrong with their throat. Some people actually have legitimate throat blocks. There was a trauma that had to do, whether it's past life or this life, had to do with being strangled, being cut, being silenced, suppressed, just something from a foundational point in their life that just created a block in their throat. I do work with those kind of individuals and that is what it's straight up. However, even in that, there are deeper layers of trauma. And if you are familiar with the chakra system or energy system, they how it's depicted is you have these seven chakras that go up the spinal column from the root all the way up to the crown. And in between each of those, you have two serpents that go up and cross between each chakra. And we call those chakral chains. And they cross over certain chakras on one side and the other crosses over the other chakras. So the chakral chain that governs the throat is also connected to the root the solar plexus, and the crown. So it crosses, it goes root, solar plexus, throat, crown, sacral, heart, third eye, eighth chakra, soul purpose. When we have blocks in our root, which is survival-based, just even the will to live, the desire to live, the certainty or clarity that is felt or not felt, most often around like belonging, like my family didn't even want me or the notion around just like, I don't even, I'm not even worth living. I'm not worth anything like this conversation around worth. It's rooted in the root chakra and the crown chakra. And then you have solar plexus, which is personal belief systems, personal beliefs, self-esteem, worth again, shows up in the solar plexus and just power center. This is where your, your, your belief, like what are your beliefs? And it's, it feels like kind of vanilla to say that, but it's the deepest point of inquiry because we have thousands of unconscious beliefs from just existing at this point in life. You have beliefs that have been, you have inherited from your family. We have beliefs that come through the different people we hang around. A belief can be something like you don't wear white after Labor Day. You know, it's something that's simple to you don't question the church. You see how each of those from it being vain or superficial or just light with the Labor Day example to like you don't question authority and you don't question the church how each of those still have an area of separation and opportunity for judgment to sprout. So this is where the solar plexus comes in. If you have things that are suppressed, most often your solar plexus, your center, your power center of energy is blocked. And that's not going to source the very next thing that's in line to receive energy flow, which is the throat. And so this is where weak voices, cracked voices, off pitch, this is where that can be. We also see, instead of the lens of deficiency, where something is out of balance and you sing sharp or there's too much power and you're forcing power through your voice, you know, like it's just like over, overly, whatever, 
that is also a trauma response in the solar plexus around overcompensation. And then there's worth nodes there. There's a whole lot of psychosomatic stuff that's connected to the voice, which is why I love this work. It's not just, I'm just, I'm not just a vocal teacher to me. No offense. If you are, if you're listening, that's boring for me. I don't feel good about taking people's money to teach them how to warm their voice up when they can find a free YouTube video online. I want to actually provide value. And when people want to actually learn how to sing and bring their voices online or learn how to project their voice or learn how to manipulate the energy in their body and move energy so that they, they can create like what I call paint strokes with intonation and words, this is where my, I get crazy mad scientist about it all because there's so much healing that is part of the journey in getting to that result. And the result is ultimately like the voice is the place of purification and liberation. And if you want to be liberated, you have to, the question is, what are you liberating yourself from? And that's where we start that journey. And we begin to dive into these energy centers that are storing traumas of suppression and misaligned beliefs, beliefs so that you can reclaim your voice, reclaim your power, reclaim your worth and your sovereignty and express from that place. And from there, we actually turn on the genes that are vocal, that are responsible for our vocal cords and the vibration and the intonation and the tuning of said vocal cords. We turn them on. This is like the where we get into quantum science and epigenetics. Now, when it comes to, I'm going to pause here and I'm going to go to the hearing. There's something correlated to how we hear and what we hear and to the degree of how we hear that is correlated to survival mode and trauma response as well. People who are usually tone deaf live their life from a place of fear. Their default is fear. There is like a a program and what it does is it pulls the senses inward. If you think about the ear, it's, we have these hairs inside of our eardrums that are receptors for vibration to pull and then take into the brain and process. Both the brain is blocked and the ears are blocked for nuanced, subtle frequency shifts, which control pitch and tone. Those are the first to go when you're in survival mode. And what we're, what the ear and the brain is actually looking for are certain sounds and vibrations that are their survival cues. Their survival cues. They're listening for danger and they're listening subconsciously for a predator. So they're not listening for tone and pitch. They're listening for presence. And to be clear, I think I know this answer. When you say fear, it doesn't mean someone's afraid for their life. It doesn't mean they're, it could just be fear of criticism, an overbearing parent who wants everything perfect and you are never going to live up to that. Because I always thought it was interesting. If I can't sing, I can hear it. But I know people that literally can't tell that they're so out of tune, they can't hear it. And I always wondered, how can they not hear that? Yeah, because their attention is most likely going going towards approval, security, and control-based narratives. All survival, all survival mode. And that includes, how do I protect myself from criticism? You see this actually, this ear, brain, throat connection with sound, listening, hearing, 
all of that, you see it when you tune someone out that's speaking. Where does your mind go? What are you thinking about? What did they trigger that you all of a sudden went from listening to them to now listening to your own thoughts? It's that simple of turning it off and on. And if you look at what has distracted you from listening to what someone is saying, and you go into and you catch yourself noticing that you're now in your own conversation in your head and you're no longer listening, you're usually in a dialogue with yourself that is fear based. You're usually thinking about how, or you're probably calculating how you're going to do this or that. Or maybe you're in a writer's round or in a circle, or like a sharing circle, and you know you're going to speak next and you're afraid and you want to say the same thing. So you start thinking, what am I going to start thinking? What am I going to start saying? You're thinking like, what, what am I going to offer here? What is my response going to be? That's survival. Anytime we drop the present moment and we put our attention into some kind of form of preparation, that is survival. Mm-hmm. It turns the ear off. And we no longer, we're in the room and this person's 10 feet away from us speaking to us, but we're listening to another conversation. And that conversation is of fear. And as soon as we give attention to fear, it hijacks the ear. And we can no longer hear what the other person is saying. It also happens when you're reading a book and you give voice to the words that you're reading. And then you catch yourself in a whole, thinking about something completely different. You have to go and reread that paragraph. Yes, yes. You actually didn't catch any of the information that you very much actively, physically, in action read. But you couldn't tell, you couldn't tell somebody what you just read because you were in a different place. And usually you're thinking about what needs to still be done. Fear, it's again, survival. It's all security, approval, control. Like it comes down to those three every time. Going back to the voice thing, I, again, don't know what you know, but just intuitively in my heart, I'll tell you what I think. And I'm realizing as I'm talking that for my daughters and for myself, I just, I, I've just had this big aha that the whole idea that, that you'd never hear them sing other than if they're joking around, it's a fear of vulnerability. Like, I don't want to be exposed. I don't want to be seen. What if it's wrong? I don't want to be judged, whatever. But yet they know they can sing. And I mean sing. And it's interesting because I have always had that fear. But I've never told anyone in my life except for you today and everyone listening to this podcast. I've never (laughs) told anyone that I've always been afraid to sing in front of other people. But deep down, I feel like if I would somehow be able to open myself or free myself or someone would show me, I feel like... Not that it matters if you can sing or not. I feel like I could sing just because I love music so much and I can hear it. And I know, I don't know how to explain it. Sometimes if I'm just laughing with the baby, you know, and joking around, I'll I'll sing a little and I'll realize there's something deep in there, but it feels like it's from another life. It doesn't feel like it's me, but then it goes away. So that's vocal activation stuff, right? This is this is what I do with vocal activation and the artist immersions that I do because I work with artists as well. And we take them into the studio and we write and record their, their projects. But there's medicine ceremonies involved. There's vocal activation. There's sound healing. And there's a whole container that is created that just radiates safety and acceptance, and love, and understanding. So then it comes out. Yes. Yes. So in creating an environment of safety and acceptance and anything is accepted for the sake and also wardrobing or defining the fact that expression is not 
solely for praise, but there's a functionality, gives a little fuel to that like courage fire to start really kindling and, and, and ripping when someone can say, okay, well, there's actually a purpose to this. And I'm taking a little pressure off of the performance aspect of sound or of this. I can't tell you how many artists, vocalists I've worked with who after our work, they're like, I've never accessed this part of my voice before. I've never been this open in my voice before. I've never had the confidence and the somatic, the body placement of where that sound lives in me before. And it's all about safety. It's all about recreating an environment that allows for it to exist and then stimulating it to exist step by step, little by little, so that the person that is experiencing this can have a new memory and a new story that fuels the I can narrative, the empowered narrative. And so they'll return to that place and over and over they'll create a practice and then it becomes fully embodied. So as we, as we wrap up here, I, I'm guessing that you're going to say that, that what you just said right there can happen for every woman, whether she wants to sing or not, right? Because this whole thing of, because a little while ago we talked about, I, I think I asked you five questions at one time, and part of it was so many women are afraid to use their voice. They don't use their voice. They, they allow men to speak over them. They, or, or back in my former career, if people would say to me, you say it. You say it. And I became the mouthpiece for everybody. I got fired for that. Like I literally got fired from an extremely successful multi-million dollar network marketing business. I've never told you my story. Just this past July, terminated. And it was because I was speaking, questioning, right? Things that shouldn't be questioned according to them, but speaking out. Now I do. I did learn my own lesson. I was speaking out too often because I was speaking for other women. Instead of empowering them to speak, I was like, fine, I'll say it. Fine, I'll say it. And then who do you think got hung out to dry? Because everyone else was like, oh, we don't have a problem. It's just her. And I was like, uh, excuse me. And I look and there's no one behind me. And there were like 20 people saying, me too, me too, me too. And I became this Norma Ray. And so I sort of like, you know, charged ahead, Joan of Arc, and nobody was behind me, not, not in a disloyal way, but they were afraid. And so that didn't just happen there. It's everywhere where women are afraid to speak their truth. I'm looking at the ripple and uh, like we have a whole nother conversation to have on just- We do. Like that was proof for those women too in the- And I'm not trying to get get down on you or anything, but just like I, I want those who are listening, who are the women that Jill is talking about, who is like me too, me too. But then when push comes to shove and it's time to like rally and speak up and also make your voice count so that that one who is willing to put it all on the line for you and for the, the collective isn't put on the stake to burn and terminated. I'm looking at the dynamic of that whole thing. And in the disempowerment, there's also been this new creation of proof that if I speak up, this is the consequence. And every single woman who didn't speak up with you created that with you. And I just, I want to say to every woman on this podcast listening that if there is something, if there's something on your heart, 
God put it there. The universe put it there. Your internal guidance put it there. And usually that thing that we're speaking up on, especially as women, has to do with the quality of how we are being treated. The quality, like what is okay and not okay. This is worth. And if you are a woman who has ever said this, and most recently too, because the (laughs) global incubator that we've all been in, this pressure cooker of COVID, has brought a lot of things up to the surface for most of us. And if it hasn't for you, I invite you to, to... double back because I, then I feel like you might be missing the point. <laughs> and I apologize for how strong, I don't actually apologize for how strong that is. I, I mean that. But for those of you who have something on your heart and something to say, what I will say about truth, it's all about the filters. There is going to be like the capital T truth in your current truth is going to be in the center of the hard work of, of understanding what your truth actually is. Because we have all these different filters that we pack on through time and through life that come from these experiences of, oh, I I spoke up and I, I was reprimanded. I was punished. I experienced pain because I spoke up. And so the filter comes from our hold. We hold our truth from these filters. So if we can question our filters and get to the truth of our truth, then it makes it much more safe for us to speak on it. I got a little tangential there because there's so many things opening up here. But what I really want to say here is if you're a woman that has thought, who am I to say that? What right do I have? I want to tell you straight, straight up, you have every right in the world to. And what is it going to cost you by not saying that thing, by not speaking up? What are you actually saying you stand for and are okay with allowing and accepting? When we talk about the masculine feminine, the giving and the receiving of both of those poles, one of the places that us as women get to really take radical responsibility for and clean up on our side of the street is the allowing aspect of women and our nature as receivers anatomically and energetically. What do we allow by not speaking our truth? And then what do we advocate for and say we are a match for energetically, vibrationally? What are we inviting into our life through what we allow and what we don't allow? And so the next time that you come to a place where you ask, you you come to a truth, then you're like, oh no, I, I'm talking yourself out of it. Who am I to say that? Because I've done this plenty of times. Who am I to say that? In fact, every new truth I discover, I say, who am I to say that? And I'm a very vocal out there person. And it's part of the process. And just because that comes up, that doesn't mean that's the end of the conversation. Actually go and find out who you are to say that. Oh, yeah. So great. Oh, let's end it on that. I mean, my gosh, I know we have another conversation or two or three coming, but <laughs> this is so beautiful. As you're speaking, I was like, I don't even know what to title this. It's going to be like, I mean, we had this, 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 and that. I mean, this was amazing. Thank you so much. I know everyone listening is like, whoa, I might need to listen to that three more times and take notes. <laughs> it was so good. So we got to meet you and learn so much from you and experience you. Now tell them how in the world do they find you and get to listen to you and learn from you. 
Yay! Okay, amazing. So as far as if you're wanting to receive some and get to know like the musical part of me, I'm on Spotify, I'm on YouTube. YouTube, there are some really great covers that I've done and just remixed like Somewhere Over the Rainbow in a jazzy way, some Bee Gees on there, and just some some music that I grew up with that I wanted to just flip and make fun. So there's 30 covers in 30 days, 30 30 Days of Medicine is the project that I did. And there are 30 really cool covers for you to check out on there, as well as some original music. Spotify is going to be getting blasted with so much music in 2021 for myself and all the artists that I'm producing and writing. And you can find me on there. I'm really big on Instagram. And if you are an industry professional and you'd like to connect, I am on Clubhouse. Instagram is where I put a lot of my daily goodness and inspiration. It's where I connect with people in DMs to go deeper into work together. There are lots of podcasts out there. So find me however it feels good for you. And tell them your handle again for Instagram. Yes, it's just my first and my last name, at Monique Benabou, M-O-N-I-Q-U-E-B-E-N-A-B-O-U. And that is all digital platforms. All right. And we'll have a link to that, obviously, in the the show notes. And and I just have to say, I haven't told you this, so I'm going to tell everyone and you at the same time. I mean, you know you have a beautiful voice, but a lot of people have a beautiful voice. But the way you sing, there's so much soul in there. And one of my favorites w- was when you talk about flipping old music was the Michael Jackson. Oh, the, the, the so good. Yes. Amazing. But guys, yeah, go check that out. And I'm actually going to um, invite Monique into something I do in the future where she can show you that the sound healing and sound clearing that she does so we can all experience it um, in the new year. So that will be great. All right. Thanks again. And we will talk soon. So much love. Thank you, sister. Thank you so much for joining me on BU. I know there was something in this episode you were meant to hear. So let me know in a DM on Instagram at jillhermanbu. Be sure to subscribe to the BU Podcast. And if you have iTunes, I would so appreciate you rating the podcast and leaving a comment with your biggest aha or takeaway. Sharing a screenshot of this episode on your story is the best way for us to reach women just like you. And if you send a link to a friend, let her know what unique quality she has that the world needs more of. If this is your first visit, welcome to our BU Collective, where we get honest about what it takes to find our true self so we can set her free and start living.